Good morning, church. How y'all doing? Hey, my name is Savut, and I'm one of the pastors here at The Experience, and I'm so grateful to teach you God's Word this morning. So this is your first time. What we do is we go through books of the Bible, chapter by chapter, line by line. And I love that we do that because we can't skip some hard stuff that, that we'll read, um, and, and we read things in context. And, and so we have been in the Gospel of John, uh, 12 chapters so far, and, and today we will cover chapter 13. And so last week, uh, Pastor Corey covered chapter 12, and in that, he asked a really important question, and that question is, by what standard are we living? By what standard are we living? I think it's easy for us to, to find people and compare ourselves to the world's standard and say, at least I'm not doing that. I feel like the standard I'm living is pretty good, right, compared to what the world is doing. But also other people may compare themselves to us, and they can look at us and say, I have a pretty good life. But what Jesus says is, is what Pastor Corey finished with last week. And, and Jesus says in John chapter 12, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. God's word will judge us. We live according to his word, and that's why we teach through the Bible. At the end of our lives, or when Jesus returns, we will be judged according to what his word said. It's not, hey, uh, Jesus, I, I was better than those people, or I, was, I did this. It was, we, we can make excuses and try to, to, to dodge that question but we will be judged according to what his word says. Now, this morning, we're gonna be in chapter 13, and there's a lot going on in chapter 13. What we're gonna see is Jesus washes his disciples' feet, and then he's going to predict that Judas, one of his disciples, is going to betray him. And then he's talking to his disciples, and he's gonna tell them this, this new commandment that I give you, and then at the end, we'll see that Peter he predicts that Peter's going to, going to deny him, one of his other disciples. Now, the question that we're going to think about throughout our time this morning is, are we committed to a lifestyle of service and sacrifice to him? Now, that word committed is really important, right? Because I think we can say, of, of course, I, I want to, to live a life of service and sacrifice to God, and, and that's, that's a great desire, but we have to remain committed even when it gets difficult, right? And, and that's what we will see today. Uh, Judas will be one that actually walks away. So when you walked in, church, you should have received the notes handout. Everything that I will say will be on the screens. You can also download the Experience Community app and follow along under sermon notes. Church, are you guys excited this morning to dive into God's word? All right, let's go to God in prayer. Father, thank you so much for who you are. God, just a great reminder this morning as we, we sang songs of worship to you that the name of Jesus is the only name worthy of worship. What a good God. Thank you for loving us. You love us in a crazy way that doesn't even make sense sometimes. It's unconditional. It blows our minds. And that is who you are. Lord, right now, I wanna lift up all of the churches 
that proclaim that you are the king of kings, that you will bless those communities. God, I pray right now that you would bless this community. I'm so grateful to be part of this church, to be part of this family. Pray that as we read your word today, that you would teach us more about who you are, that, that we would leave here um, having a, a more of a desire and an affection for you to look more like you. This is all about you. Remind us that everything we do should be to glorify you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, let's go to John chapter 13. Before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Now, when it was time for supper, the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas, Simon Iscariot's son, to betray him. Jesus knew that the father had given everything into his hands, that he had come from God, and that he was going back to God. Verse three is really important. So he got up from supper. He laid aside his outer clothing. He took a towel and he tied it around himself. Next, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and to dry them with the towel tied around him. He came to Simon Peter, who asked him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I'm doing you don't realize now, but afterward you will understand. You will never wash my feet, Peter said. Jesus replied, if I don't wash you, you have no part with me. So Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. One who has bathed, Jesus told him, doesn't need to wash anything except his feet, but he is completely clean. You are clean, but not all of you, for he knew who would betray him. And this is why he said, not all of you are clean. And so before we dive into this text, there's something interesting that, that I want us to see. So the first 12 chapters so far, some theologians call it the book of signs, okay? So, so basically what we've seen is Jesus' public ministry, his teachings and his miracles, and, and, and the world got to see that. Now from chapters 13, so from this point moving forward, what's, what we're going to see is called the book of glory. This is more of his private ministry. This is his intimate time with his disciples this is his private conversations. And so this is leading up in 24 hours from this point, Jesus would die on the cross. And this is so crazy to think about that there's this many chapters about 24 hours in 24 hours. This is John writing this, showing us that these conversations, these things that were happening leading up to it were so important. Now, Jesus, he's saying farewell to his disciples and his followers and he's going to go back to his father. So verse three, remember I said it's really important. Verse three says that Jesus knew that the father had given everything into his hands, that he had come from God and that he was going back to God. So Jesus knew his identity and his purpose. He knew his identity, that he's, he's come from God, that he's going back to God, and he knew his purpose that one day, I know I need to die on the cross. This is part of God's plan, part of the Father's plan. And this is how he's able to handle the next 24 hours. 
Like he, in the next 24 hours, he's gonna get betrayed. He's gonna get arrested. He's gonna get beaten. He's gonna get mocked. And then he's going to get nailed to the cross. And so this is how he's able to even get up and tie a towel around him and go and serve his disciples. So for us, church, a relationship with Jesus is the only way that we can endure trials in this life. That's the truth. Like, like think about it. Like, I know in my life, when I go through hard times, when I choose to say, God, I, I, I want your help. I know that you're with me and I want to depend on your spirit. I'm okay, regardless of what's going on. So in our lives, like, the Bible promises that we will go through hard times. We will have trials. And the, the thing I keep thinking about is, I don't know how people do it without God. Like think about the moment in your life where it was so painful, so difficult to go through whatever you were going through. Man, a relationship with Jesus reminds us that our, our, our forever is not here on this earth but we have a hope in the next life with him. And that's why we can be okay. So we need to be reminded our identity is in Jesus and our purpose is for him and we'll be okay. Amen. So then he's, he says his hour has come, right? Throughout John, we've been hearing about this hour, right? And so up to this point, Jesus had this like unique protection because his hour had not yet come. And so earlier, earlier on in, in the book of John, we saw that they tried to hurt him. They tried to arrest him. And John would write, Jesus was untouchable because God was in control. It wasn't his time yet. But now in close to 24 hours, Jesus would hang on the cross. He says, the hour is here. Jesus loved them to the end. What a, well, that is so awesome to think about. Like, Jesus, knowing in 24 hours he was going to die on the cross, he used these hours and the time that he had to serve and prepare his disciples. He cared about his disciples. He cared about leaving them and reminding them, preparing them for what's about to happen. The question for us is how do we use our time? Time is, here's the thing, guys. For all of us, I hope this is not news to you, we all have 24 hours in a day. Did you know that? Right? And so sometimes you're like, dude, I'm so busy. I don't have any time to read God's word. I don't have any time to pray. My life is just so chaotic. I don't think it's a matter of time. I think it's a matter of, but the truth is some of us, including me sometimes, we suck at prioritizing what's important, right? And, and so, so here's what we need to do, church. Like when we spend time with our spouse, family, friends, community, God, when we spend time with that, get off our freaking phones, right? That's what we need to do. That phone is taking up all of our times. We're distracted by the world. And then we say, we're too busy. How do we use our time? Do we live our best life, right? What the world will tell you, your best life is all about you. Your best life is whatever makes you feel good. Your best life is taking shortcuts so that you can rise the corporate ladder. Your best life is centered on you. And that life is empty. Or do we live a life for him? And Jesus is so countercultural. Like actually living a life for him is actually the best life that we can live. Jesus says it like this. And, and Pastor Corey quoted it last week. Jesus says, if you try to find your life, 
Basically, if you, if you want to live your best life now, you're going to lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, then you'll find it. That means if we live our life for him and surrender to him, we'll find the best life here on earth, but also for eternity in the next life too. In verse two, we see Judas, right? We, we, we're introduced to what he's about to do. Now, Judas, he's, he's a reminder of a society, of a culture, of a people that's in rebellion against God. That's us sometimes, right? That we are in rebellion against God. But then what we're going to see and what we're going to see in this chapter here is the way that Jesus serves and loves Judas is is as a, a picture of God's grace and compassion, not only to Judas, but also to us when we are in rebellion, that he's gracious and he's compassionate. Jesus knew that Judas would betray him and he gave him every opportunity to repent. We're gonna see that in a minute. The question for us is, do we abuse God's grace or do we live a life of daily repentance? Is God gracious? Absolutely, yes. But for us, Sometimes the issue with, with the North American church is we will say, man, God's gonna forgive me so I can do whatever the heck I want. I can live however I want the rest of the time. I'm not in church, right? Because I can come back and God's gonna forgive me. And that's abusing God's grace. What, what Paul writes about in Romans chapter 6, he, has, he says, should we continue to sin so that grace may multiply? Absolutely not. Right, So we, we need to not think about like church and, and our relationship with Jesus just in this hour we're here, but we need to say, man, God has been so gracious to me and that blows my mind, so I'm going to live for him. A life of daily repentance. We'll talk more about that, but, but that's what we need to start doing is saying, hey, I know I'm gonna go off track, but I wanna turn right back to him. I need his help. So Jesus then does something that is shocking to everyone, right? He, he begins to wash his disciples' feet. And this is shocking because this is the job of the lowest servant in, in, or the, the lowest servant in the household, right? So, so th- during this time, they would walk with barefoot and they would walk with sandals and, and their feet were dirty. And so this is not a popular job. This is not a comfortable thing to do. And Jesus did it to show us an example Jesus knew how his disciples would act. Like he knows that Judas is about to betray him and he still washes feet. He knows that Peter is about to deny him three times and he still washes his feet. He loves them, he serves them. Jesus knew how we would live our lives so far up to today. And he knew knew what we would do tomorrow and the rest of our day today. He knew how we would live and yet he died on the cross for us. That should blow our minds. That, that, that's the kind of love that God has for us. And so from this example, do we love and serve people in this way? I can tell you, if I rely on my own strength and a natural kind of love, heck no, I'm not gonna love people that's gonna hurt me, right? I can't do it. If, you, if I know that person's gonna say something or betray me or do something, I can't do it without God's help. But that's the key, right? When we experience God's love and we have the Holy Spirit inside of us, then we can love people even knowing that we're gonna get hurt. We can love people. So I love Peter. He says whatever's on his mind sometimes, right? And so we can relate to that. And it's like, dude, chill out, Peter. He says, Jesus, you're never gonna wash my feet. And Jesus is like, all right. 
Well, if I don't wash you, then you have no part with me. He goes, all right, Jesus, wash everything, right? I want, I want to be part of you. This is awesome. This is like so encouraging to us. Having a relationship with Jesus begins simply with just receiving what he's done, receiving who he is. It's not achieving something ourselves, right? So I'm so glad that Jesus didn't say, if you are not a Bible scholar, you have no part with me. Thank God for that. I'm so glad he didn't say, hey, if you don't fix all of this, then you have no part with me. If you don't clean yourself up, then you can't come to me. He says, if I don't wash you, you have no part with me. That is so encouraging for us. Sometimes we get it backwards. I have friends and I have family that will tell me, man, I don't know about this relationship with Jesus. I don't know about coming to church. I, I got a lot of things to figure out first, man. And I'm like, that's not the point of it. You've missed the point. Come into a relationship with Jesus, receive him and be transformed from the inside out. Right, come to Jesus. He's gonna take care of you moving forward in the rest of your life. And then in verse nine and 10, he says something, two distinct things, right? He talks about being bathed and then this washing of the feet, right? So, so when we first come to Jesus, we're bathed, right? We were clean all over. This is the justification by faith, the salvation that the Bible talks about. We're justified by what he's done and who he is. That's the beginning of our relationship with Jesus. But Jesus knows as we walk through life that our feet will get dirty, right? That we're going to go off the wrong path and we're going to need ongoing washing. This is the confession and the repentance part of the Christian life. Confess your sins to one another and pray for each other. That should be part of our lives. But it's also the repentance. It's like turning away from our mess and turning to God. In my life, this still happens too. In my life, what it looks like is there's my flesh waging war against the spirit that lives inside of me. And so my flesh will desire some old habits and the old things that makes me feel good. Or I may find things attractive in the world and I may wanna try that out, right? We've been there. And so what will happen is my feet will get stained and I'll walk into the mess. And then I have two options. I can stay in the mess and continue walking here or I can turn around and say, God, I want to go towards you and walk away from that mess. Here's how my life looks like. And this is just me uh, explaining a little bit about who I am. So I have this habit and it's a bad habit of being like extreme all in or all out. It's really stupid, right? I don't have balance. I can't figure it out. But what happens is like I take two steps into sin and it's like, I've already taken two steps. I might as well take five, right? And it's like, well, I've already taken five. I might as well keep going, right? And that's, that's kind of how I live my life sometimes. And it makes me mad. So I was to say something else. But anyways, so I'm in this mess, okay? So what happens when I do that, I isolate myself from community. I start to forget who God is and it gets real dark and it, get real, it gets real lonely. And then what happens in that is I'll start to believe the lie that there's no hope. I'll start to believe the lie that God doesn't care about me. But I'm telling you, if you're in that mess too, if you can understand it, maybe you're there right now, wherever you're at, there's a God waiting for you to come back, right? And so it's repentance and saying, God, I need your help. His hand is right there waiting for you to come back and he's gonna hug you and clean you, right? He's gonna wash us. All right, let's go to the next part, verse 12. When Jesus had washed their feet and put on his outer clothing, he reclined again and he said to them, do you know what I have done for you? 
You call me teacher and Lord, and you are speaking rightly, since that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an, an example that you also should do just as I have done for you. Truly I tell you, a servant is not greater than his master, and a messenger is not greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. So the first thing we see here is Jesus says, hey, you guys call me teacher and Lord, and that's right. That, that, that is what I am. And, and he's pointing this out because probably like if they're going to call him the Lord of their lives, then they need to follow his example. Christians, if we call Jesus our Lord, then life is no longer about us. And it's very common for us to, to come into worship and, and to live out in the world and say, Jesus is our Lord. He's my Lord and my Savior. And like, that's, that's great to say, but, but our lives don't reflect that sometimes. If he's going to be the Lord of our lives, then we have to let go of control. Some of us, and, I, and I've been here before, it's like we like to, to say he's our Lord in church. It's like, Jesus, you're my Lord on Sundays but can I be the Lord over my life Monday through Saturday? This is just me speaking from experience and I'm not attacking you guys. Guess what? We all suck at being the Lord of our lives, right? We, like like, like when, when we try to be in control and we try to be the Lord of our lives, we screw things up, right? People get hurt. There's pain that happens because we try to be in control. We gotta let that go and say, if you're gonna be Lord Jesus, Show me what to do, and life is all about you. I want to follow your example. And this is what he says. I've given you an example. Jesus commanded the disciples and us to show the same humble, sacrificial love to one another. His example that, that he washes disciples' feet, that he, he stooped low to do that, that should change our attitude and our actions Important, right? Our attitude and action. In the kids' ministry, what, what we teach the kids is, kids, obey right away with a good attitude, right? If you serve, you know that. Obey right away with a good attitude. Because some of us, our attitudes suck. We're like, I, I guess I'll read the Bible. Gosh, Jesus, I, I guess I can worship you. Jesus, I, I guess I can love that person. I guess I'll serve for an hour this week. Right, that's a bad attitude. It's like, no, I get to read the Bible. I get to worship God, right? That, that should be our attitude that we are so filled up because of how good God is and all that he's done. It's an overflow that leads to us doing something. So is this how we love one another? There is a big difference between saying we love people and actually loving people. About... A few weeks ago, um, my wife and I, we went through a really tough time and it was painful. Um, we have great community and we love being part of this church. People love us well. But we felt extremely loved when people showed up to the hospital. We felt extremely loved when people called and prayed for us. Extremely loved when, when someone brought a meal to us and wrote a card to us. That's the kind of love that we need to give to each other, right? It's, it's like taking that step, not just saying it, but actually showing up to somebody's door 
and giving them a meal, giving somebody a hug, praying for them in the moment, calling them, checking on them. We are allowing people to isolate, allowing people to live life on their own, and we just see them at church. That's not enough. We got to take that next step to actually love people. Jesus says that a tree will be known by his fruit. You can say that you're a Christian all day long, but their fruit will show. You can say you love people all day long, but when people show up, will you actually love them? Jesus said, a servant is not greater than his master. So if Jesus humbly served in this way, it is even more appropriate for his servants to do the same. And so if we follow Jesus, then we are his servants. Now, I've used this excuse before, and we will tell ourselves, we will make up all kinds of excuses. That's who we are. That's our deceptive side of it. That's our fleshly side of our life. And it's, I don't know if I can wake up early to read the Bible. Oh, man, I don't know if I can serve this week. I don't know if I can go and, and talk to that person. He doesn't believe the same thing I do, or he doesn't look like me, or whatever the case is. I don't know if I can, whatever, fill in the blank. It needs to be checked with, look at what Jesus has done for me. Look at who he is and what he's done. And church, I want us to hear this. Even if Jesus does nothing else for us from this point forward, he's done more than enough. He's done more than enough and he's worthy of worship regardless of what else he does for us. But he loves us so much that he still continues to amaze us. When we serve God and serve others, Jesus says that you will be blessed if you do these things. The greatest joy of, of, of life for, for me and my wife is, is when we are serving other people. Like you ever been there when, when you show up and you serve other people and you serve God, you are filled with joy. There's a blessing that comes with that. And I think the times of emptiness is when we make lives, when we make life about ourselves. When everything is about me and about Allison, man, our lives are kind of empty. So in this way, we need to serve others. Consider other people as more important than yourself. If you're going to commit to this life of sacrifice to God and to others, here's something to, to keep in mind. Serve others without expecting, expecting anything in return. And that's hard, right? So, so Pastor Corey talked about it uh, one time. It's, uh, man, as, as a Christian, we're going to surrender and sacrifice and give away more than we may ever get in return. But the good news is it doesn't matter because we have Jesus. And that's what he told us to do. All right, next part. Let's go to verse 18. I'm not speaking about all of you. I know those I have chosen, but the scripture must be fulfilled. The one who eats my bread has raised his heel against me. I am telling you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am he. Truly, I tell you, whoever receives anyone I send receives me. And the one who receives me receives him who sent me. When Jesus had said this, he was troubled in his spirit and he testified, truly, I tell you, one of you will betray me. The disciples started looking at one another, uncertain which one he was speaking about. One of his disciples, the one Jesus loved, was reclining close beside Jesus. Simon Peter motioned to him to find out who it was that he was talking about. So he leaned back against Jesus and he asked him, Lord, who is it? Jesus replied, 
He's the one that I give the piece of bread to after I have dipped it. When he had dipped the bread, he gave it to Judas, Simon Iscariot's son. After Judas ate the piece of bread, Satan entered him. So Jesus told him, hey, what you're doing, do quickly. None of those reclining at the table knew why he said this to him. Since Judas kept the money bag, some thought that Jesus was telling him, buy what we need for the festival or that he should give something to the poor. After receiving the piece of bread, he immediately left and it was night. This is a very dark scene that's going on here, what we're seeing unfold with Judas. But the first thing we need to know is Judas's betrayal to Jesus, that was part of God's plan. The scripture must be fulfilled. It says that, that someone who eats my bread will raise his heel against me. What that means is a very close friend of mine, someone that I love is going to betray me. Have we ever had a close friend betray us? Man, that's painful. I want us to be encouraged this morning. This is good news that Jesus can empathize, right? He knows exactly what that feels like to be betrayed by someone that you love. In Hebrews, it says that, that he suffered when he was tempted in every way, yet without sin, so that when we suffer and then we are tempted, that we can go to him. So I know in life sometimes we think that, man, no one understands what I'm going through. This is painful. This is hard. I wish someone would understand. And maybe someone on, on earth may not understand what exactly you're going through, but be encouraged that you can go to a God who understands. He knows what you're walking through and he wants to be with you in that. He says that uh, he was troubled in his spirit, right? This is, this is a, an eye opener for us that, that Jesus loved Judas. He loved Judas and he was more troubled for Judas' sake than his own, right? Remember in 24 hours, Jesus was about to die on the cross and yet he was still troubled in his spirit for Judas. That's a crazy kind of love. Jesus is troubled in his spirit for our sake too. And why is that? The ramifications of sin trouble, troubles Jesus. When we live in sin, a pattern of sin, and we continue to say yes to evil, that, that troubles Jesus because his children is walking away from him. His children is choosing something other than him. And he wants us because he knows what's best for us. It should break our hearts as Christians, okay? So as Christians, it should break our hearts when we see people headed towards destruction. Like when you see your family or your friend or your coworkers or the world and they're headed toward the path of destruction, that should break your heart. And that's a good thing. When it breaks your heart, then it gives you a sense of urgency to do something. It gives us more reason to love them, love them where they're at, love them in the mess. And maybe you're like, Sabud, my, my heart really doesn't break for people that's headed towards destruction. And, and, I've, and I've been there before. I've become numb to, to what's going on around me sometimes. And when that happens, it's because my feet has gotten stained and I've been in the mess. I'm in this mess and my heart has got hardened. My heart has become hardened. But in that, if, if, if we're in that place and we're numb to sin, man, that's a dangerous place to be. That's a dark place to be. We need to repent and say, Lord, remind me of the light. Remind me of who you, who you are. Here's a prayer we need to pray. Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours. Break my heart for what breaks yours. So then Peter, he, he asked John, hey, hey, John, can you, can you ask Jesus who it is? 
who it is that he's talking about. I don't know what Peter's motive was, but I imagine Peter's like, John, figure out who it is. We're about to kill this guy, right? Figure out who it is. We're gonna stop this betrayal. So, so Jesus, he gives the dipped bread to Judas, right? And this, this, this is an act of love. This shows the height of love for his enemies. You know, one thing I love about Jesus, I love, love Jesus, everything about him, but there's one thing I love about him. He says, he doesn't just say things to us, he actually lives it out. He actually does it, right? So, so remember when Jesus said, hey, pray for those who persecute you and love your enemies. He doesn't just say that because, you know, he just wants us to do it. He says that because that's what he did. This is what he did right here with Judas, his enemy. Jesus shows us that he was in control of these events. None of this is shocking to him. Nothing surprises Jesus. When we go off track, when we make a mistake, when we do things or say things, that doesn't shock Jesus. And that's good news. That means you can go and tell him about it. God, I know you know about this, but here's what's going on. And I, I, want, you, I want your help in it. This slide right here, it is not a, popular slide is it's not gonna be like oh this is so encouraging this is a, a much needed slide for us it says that satan entered him okay so so judas knew that jesus knew sitting at the table judas knew that jesus was aware of what he was about to do that's that conviction that he felt right in matthew 26 we see that but also in that moment when he knew that jesus knew he also knew that jesus loved him in that moment he felt that assurance of God's love even when he was about to do something crazy. But here's the thing with Judas. He shut his heart to the conviction. He said, no, I'm gonna ignore the conviction. And he also shut his heart to Jesus, the love of Jesus. No, I don't want anything to do with that love. And then he opened his heart for Satan. For us, church, we need to be careful when we say no to Jesus and yes to evil. Man, we do that on a daily basis. Some of us do that without even thinking about it. Sometimes, I, I, listen, the phone is not sin. It's how much time we spend on it and what we're doing on the phone, right? Sometimes when we pick up the phone and we ignore our kids, man, that's saying yes to evil. Or it's, it's like, hey, I'm going to, to be so busy trying to, to do self-pleasure and whatever makes you feel good. And we forget about what's important our family and our friends and the people around us and our relationship with God. If we continue to say yes to evil, there may come a time when we can't say yes to Jesus. If we continue to flirt with evil and darkness, there's gonna come a time when our heart gets so hardened and Jesus says, that's the life you want, I'll hand you over. That's what Romans says, I'll hand you over to a worthless mind. And then it says, and it was nice. So, so after receiving this bread, right? Like even in, in Judas's final moments close to Jesus, he gives them this act of love, this bread. And still Judas immediately left and it was night. He went on his journey to a spiritual, spiritually dark place. Sometimes we hear people say, and maybe you said it, if I could just hear Jesus, if I could just be around him, if I could just watch him do certain miracles, man, of course I would believe Judas had the best example and the greatest teacher and he was still lost. If we don't fully surrender our entire life to Jesus, then we too can also leave into the night. We can also leave into the night. Last part, verse 31 here. When he had left, Jesus said, 
Now the son of man is glorified and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him and himself and will glorify him at once. That's a lot of glory, y'all. So little children, I am with you a little while longer. You will look for me and just as I told the Jews, so now I tell you where I am going, you cannot come. I give you a new command, love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, everyone would know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Lord, Simon Peter said to him, where are you going? Jesus answered, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow later. Lord, Peter asked, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus replied, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, I tell you, a rooster will not crow until you have denied me three times. And so the first two verses we see here, uh, it says glory, glorified, glorified, right? About five times in the span of two verses. And so what he's talking about is the cross here. Now, now when we look at the cross and when, when people of this time, when they look at the cross, all we can see is tragedy and pain, right? And, and that's, that's, that's just right. Like from a worldly perspective, that's what happens. Listen, Jesus was 100% man and 100% God. So it was a painful death. It was the worst death that anyone could have died. But remember in the first three, in verse three of this chapter, Jesus knew his identity and his purpose. He knew what he came to do and dying on the cross was part of God's plan. And that's why he's saying this is good. This is necessary. This is being glorified. He was, the love of Jesus was about to be revealed in a new way. And it was gonna blow their minds and it should still blow our minds today. He gives this new commandment to his disciples. He says, hey, to love one another. He's talking to the, the church, right? The church, the disciples. So we are to love the world. Yes, that's important. Like we are to love the people in the world. We are to love people outside of the church. That's really important. But he's reminding us here, we first need to love each other. We need to learn how to love each other just as I have loved you. And that's to the full extent. That's washing one another's feet. And then they're gonna see that's going to the cross. That's dying to yourself. That's dying and serving other people. We will be known as disciples of Jesus if we love one another. If we love one another. That's how we will be known as disciples. So when the world looks at the church, it should see people loving one another. Like, think about that. Not just in this building, but when you leave today and go to that restaurant, will people still see that you love one another? Outside of the church, outside of the four walls, we are also the church there too. Amen. Do we love one another? And I think, unfortunately, sometimes not, right? Sometimes what they see is more politics. Sometimes what they see is people arguing. Sometimes what they see is like, man, they, they just care about winning arguments and making their points. They don't really care about me. When, they, when, when the world looks at us, and see that we love one another, that's an attractive thing. And they're gonna say, tell me about that love. Tell me about that. So the last thing we see is Peter's denial. Once again, Peter is saying like, Jesus, where are you going? I'm, I'm gonna go with you. And he's like, no, 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 you, you can't come with me now, but you will later. And he goes, 
Jesus, I will lay down my life for you. I will die for you. And, and, and that's a good desire and a good commitment. But when the pressure hit, Peter denied Jesus three times. We too may have this commitment, right? To, to I will lay down my life for you, Jesus. I will die for you. And that's a fine commitment, guys, fine, fine desire. But Jesus is like, hey, I, why don't you live for me? I want you to live for me. If we live for Jesus without the Holy Spirit's help, then we too will deny Jesus when the pressure hits. When it gets hard, we're going to deny Jesus. And so as we wrap up our time this morning, there, there's, there's some things that we'll talk about. There's, there's gonna be two paths that we talk about with, with Judas and then with Peter. And then we're gonna ask the question, why do we follow Jesus? And then the last part is if we follow Jesus, there's two things that we will be challenged to do from this chapter. The first thing we see is Judas saw the light and he understood it, right? He was around Jesus, around the disciples, and he saw and heard the teachings and, and saw the miracles, but he chose the darkness anyways. What I don't want for us in, in our community here in the church in, in, in Middle Tennessee is for us to think that if we just come to church that we're saved, like, like we can be around the lights, right? We can hear the teachings of the Bible. We can be in community and not have a relationship with Jesus. And, and, and here's how Jesus says it. Like, like this is him. He's, he's a savage, right? Think about this. He says, listen, some of you guys are like, he's talking to religious leaders here. You're like whitewashed tombs. You look pretty on the outside, but inside you're full of dead bones, full of impurity. Dang, Jesus, <laughs> right? That's what he says. And then this is, this is a sad thought here. He says, at the end of, the, at the end of your life, someone, someone would say, Lord, Lord, I did all this in your name. And he says, but I never knew you. That's the danger of us thinking that we can just come to church and that's the only thing we do with our relationship with Jesus. It's being religious versus having a relationship with Jesus. There's a big difference there. So he made a wrong turn somewhere, right? Judas did, and it was probably because of greed, but he chose not to repent. He flirted with darkness. He flirted with darkness to the point where he eventually ran into the night. If we continue to flirt with darkness and evil, we will eventually run into the night. Now we have the options. We can either choose to surrender all of, of us, every part of our lives to Jesus, or we can continue to choose evil. Remember, there may come a point where you continue to choose evil, then that's gonna be the rest of your life. But there's this other path. This is more encouraging, okay? So Peter chooses light. Peter took the wrong path, right? We all take wrong paths sometimes, right? Many, many in, in our weeks, there are sometimes like, man, I took the wrong path four times this week. Peter denies Jesus three times. He made a wrong turn, but look at this. He chose the path of restoration and repentance, right? So his feet got stained and it was messy, but he, he chose Jesus. He ran back to him. Jesus gives him an opportunity. What we're gonna see is to say, I love you three times back to Jesus. He's restored. He repented. He turned away. I know in this room, we have made wrong turns in life. Man, we're ashamed of some of the things we've done. Maybe you're in that mess right now. Man, wherever you're at, here's the good news. There is a way back to God because he's gracious and compassionate to welcome you back. I think about the, the prodigal son here. When, when, when the son goes and he blows his inheritance and he lives this crazy life, 
and then eventually have, he has nothing left. He's empty. He returns back to the father and the father throws him a big celebration and gives him a hug. This is the kind of love that God has for us. He just wants us to turn back to him, come back to him. There's a way back to him. So for us, we need to understand it and try to figure out what is the motive? Why do I do what I do? Why do I follow Jesus? Why do I want to be a Christian, right? We have to figure out this question. Many people, we follow Jesus because we think that, we, that Jesus can give us what we want. Maybe you believe the lie or you heard someone tell you that following Jesus, maybe you can have health and wealth and happiness and miracles and all these different things. Maybe like, I just want things from Jesus. That's why I'm gonna go to church. But then you start coming to church, you start living in community, you start reading scripture, you start to get to know about God a little bit, and then you realize, crap, it involves suffering and it's difficult. It involves sacrifice. Wait, this life's not about me anymore. Like when, when people realize that, that, that when, when they initially come in and it was all about them and they realize it's, no, it's not about you at all. It's about him and serving his people. When they realize it's not a self-centered life, people sometimes will walk away from that and they'll go back to their old life. So the question we need to ask daily is, are we more in love with what Jesus can give us or do we actually love him? That's a hard question. Like, like, do I just love what Jesus can give me? Do I love the benefits of being a Christian or do I actually love Jesus? If we follow Jesus, right? So this is for the Christian. If we follow Jesus, there's two things that we learn from this chapter. The first is to wash one another's feet. Now, listen, when I say wash one another's feet, you know, like, just like the disciples, I want to do what is comfortable, right? It's comfortable and popular probably washing the feet of Jesus in this time. But he says, no, 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 I want you to wash one another's feet. And they're probably like, that guy's feet? Like, and we can say the same thing, right? God, I love people, but I want to choose who I love. I love people, but I don't know about that person right there, right? We, we can say this, we prefer what is comfortable. What would it look like to wash one another's feet? This is an orange because this is for me. It's a conviction for me. Do we look at people as an inconvenience or an opportunity to serve? I know when life is about me, when I wake up, I'm like, all right, this is what Savut wants to do today. Whatever I want to do, we want to do it. Not even acknowledge God when that happens everybody is an inconvenience to me because <laughs> I'm expecting people to serve me. Like that barista, you're just there to get my coffee. I don't care about you. That's what happens when I live a self-centered life. But when I wake up and I'm like, God, I want an opportunity to share the gospel. I need your help today. Show me what to do. Lead me today. I want to walk in the spirit today. When that happens, then that barista is someone who has a soul someone who has a story, someone that I can get to know. It's an opportunity to serve. Following Jesus isn't easy and it's not popular. But like I said earlier, it's the best life that we can live. The last thing we see here is to love one another. So we love because he first loved us. That's what John wrote in another book. 
We love because he first loved us. So, so when we experience God's love, and this is unconditional, mind-blowing, crazy kind of love, that love and that relationship with Jesus, it should transform us from the inside out. It should compel us. This is what should drive us daily to love other people. This is what should wake us up and say, man, I have a reason and a purpose to live today. So do we love and serve others for our own sake? Like, like, do we love and serve people? Maybe you're involved in a lot of different ministries. Like, is that for Jesus because he loved you or is that to make you look good? Like, we gotta think about that. Like, why do we serve people? Why do we serve in ministries? Is it because Christ first loved us and out of that overflow that I wanna give my life away because Christ gave his life away for me? And the last thing we see we will be known as disciples by our love for one another. That's what Jesus said. Everyone, the church, everyone, the world outside of the church will know that we are disciples by how we love one another. It's not about the shirts that we wear. It's not about the bumper stickers that you have on your car. It's not about the tattoos that you have that says that you're a Christian. We can say that we are a Christian all day long but the fruit will show. We can say that we love people all day long, but do we actually love people? You guys bow your heads. This is so important for us to, to understand because there is a world that is watching. It'd be so awesome that someone comes up to you and say, man, like you guys love each other. Tell me about that. Tell me about why do you guys love each other? If we have an identity in Jesus and our purpose is to live for him, then we're going to be okay in this life regardless of what trials may come. This purpose and this identity, will, it will help us wash one another's feet. It will help us love one another in the way that God wants us to. If you're in this room and you have questions, about the Bible, about God, about life, whatever questions you may have, to my right, your left, is Pastor Greg. Come up and talk to him. He would love to pray with you and, and, and answer any questions you may have. On both sides of the stage, there, there are men and women that would love to pray with you. If you need prayer, listen, don't stay in that mess alone. Get out of the darkness and bring it to the lights and live in community and people can walk with you. All around the room, uh, there is communion available. This represents the body and blood of Jesus that was shed for us. Jesus died for us knowing how we would live today. What a crazy kind of love. All that we ask is before you take communion is that you ask for forgiveness. You make your heart right with God. Father, thank you so much for who you are. God, I pray for this community, even as we leave today, that we would continue to worship you, that we would surrender our lives, sacrifice, consider other people as more important than ourselves, to wash one another's feet, to love one another, because that's what you tell us to do. And if you are our Lord, we want to worship you even outside of this building. God, we need your help. Protect us until we meet next time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.